Okay, we're in chapter 9. We're going to spend our... This is the last week on the money issue. On the issue of generosity and giving. So we're going to look at uh, verses 6 through 15 today. And finish up there. I want you to remember a little bit of what we've been talking about here. Back in chapter 8, Paul reminds them of a commitment that they had made the year before to help out the church in Jerusalem. And he reminds them by telling them about how the Macedonian church, even though they were in poverty, even though they were going through severe persecution, even though they were going through such extreme circumstances, were giving abundantly out of sacrifice. It was rather... rather it was amazing what they were doing. And so Paul's writing them to tell them about this because he's, and we found this out last week, because he says, look guys, I'm going to come and before I come, I want to make sure that you have done what you said you would do so that you're not embarrassed when the Macedonians come with me. And so the whole point what he was, that he was making was is you need to fulfill your obligation. And he said, it's rather that you fulfill your obligation now than do it later you know, because you're obligated to, rather that you do it now freely because you want to. And so we see, we saw several different principles there that you can't outgive God. God is the one who gives you the resources to give to others. If He laid it on your heart to help someone, then you need to respond to that. You need to respond to what God wants. And so, different things. So we're going to look now again at the reward today. We're going to look at the reward for generosity. There is a reward. For generosity. Now again, let me just remind you that when we're talking about giving in this passage, we're not just talking about giving with reference to the offering plate. Does everybody understand? Because what he's talking about in this passage is not the weekly offering for the needs of that church and that community. What he's talking about in this passage is a special offering that they were taking for the church back in Jerusalem who were really hurting. And his whole point was, is if you give to them when you are in trouble, then others will be there for you to help you out when you go through it. So let's look at what we're going to look at today. Let's first of all look at verses 6 and 7. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So let's look at a couple things here. First of all, in verse 6, he's going to tell us that the blessing of God is proportionate to the level of giving. The blessing of God is proportionate to the level of giving. So if you're stingy in your giving... The blessings are going to be stingy in your life. If you are a giver and you give, then the blessings are going to abound in your life. See, it's proportionate. Now, let me just stop for a moment. We've got to ask the question is in your book there that I wrote that uh, I think is a good question to clarify as we look at this principle here. Does the blessing of God necessarily mean financial blessing? No, we need to understand that. I know there's some guys on TV who will tell you, you know, if you give God your tenth, he'll multiply it a hundred times. I mean, you've heard that kind of stuff before. And it's almost like the Christian lottery. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's almost like the Christian lottery. 
You know, I, if I, you know, and you're just hoping to hit the big one with God. Isn't that? That's exactly what it is, isn't it? You got to play to win. You got to play to win. You got to give to win. Got to give to win. That'll be our new slogan here. Give to win. Okay, he's going to get ten bucks a piece. Okay, all right. You know, and so that's the whole concept. But see, I'm glad you all realize that blessing does not necessarily mean financial blessing. It can mean financial blessing. It can mean that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. The whole point is is that you can't outgive God. If God lays on your heart to give to something, you need to be responsive to God and let Him provide the needs. Like, for instance, I maybe have shared this story with you before I will share it again concerning Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, the China Inland Mission. When Hudson Taylor was studying, he'd always known in his heart that he wanted to go to China. But as a young man, he studied medicine in order to go and serve on the field as a doctor. And so he, he studied medicine. And as a student in London, studying medicine, he would, in his off times, would go out and hand out tracts and everything and witness in the Irish Quarter, which is Catholic, of, of, of London. Then... One day, he also, because he's a medical student back then, it's a little bit different now than it is then, he could help people with their health issues, even though he was studying. He has a man come to him and says to him, can you come and help my wife? She's very desperate. She's on her deathbed. We need your help. Well, this same man who comes to him to, quote, get this help, is one of the men who's been heckling him and giving him a hard time, first of all and throwing stones at him and stuff when he's there witnessing for the gospel in the Catholic quarter. So he goes to this person's apartment in London, and he said it's very shabby, three little kids running around, no furniture, the wife is laying on a pallet on the floor. And she's really bad off. So he begins to help her. Now in his pocket, this is the end of the month, all he has left is a crown. One coin, one English crown. And the man is pleading with him, saying, do you have anything to help us? The kids need food. We haven't eaten in days. So as he's sitting there, he's talking, he's rolling that coin around in his hand, and he's thinking, you know, this is my, this is to get me through the next couple of days. If I give this to him, I don't have anything. But he felt the Holy Spirit telling him that he needed to give this guy this crown. So he did. He gave him the crown. So he went home with nothing. Rent's due. Everything's due in the next couple days. He's got nothing. He gave this guy the last crown he had. The next day, the landlady comes, knocks on the door, and says, Mr. Taylor, there was a letter left for you here. And in the letter was several pounds, enough to take care of him for the whole month. Somebody had just up and sent it to him, saying they felt led of God to provide him with this money as he studies to go to China. And then he said this. He realized he could never outgive God. Never outgive God. Now, here's the important point about that passage. The Holy Spirit led him to give. Now, he did what all of us would do. We would hold that coin in our hand and wrestle. Do I really want to give that up because I've got something I need for that? Or what we perceive as a need. But the point is, I want you to see is, is that the blessing of God is proportionate 
to your giving. You can't outgive him. If he tells you to help out your neighbor and help them in some way with the need that they have, do you think he's not going to take care of you if he's telling you to help them out? Do you see the point? We, we kind of forget that. We kind of think, well, gosh, God, if I do that, who's going to take care of me? Same guy who told you to give it. Same God, excuse me, who told you to give it. Do you see my point? So, but blessing does not necessarily mean financial blessing. So don't think, oh, wow, okay, who can I help today because I want my bank account to increase? No, that's not the point. Because sometimes the blessing may not necessarily be financial. The blessing may be, I help them. And, and, that, and that sense of, of joy that comes from helping a brother or sister in Christ who's in need. I help them. And also recognizing that God will always take care of you. Now, he talks about the attitude in giving in verse 7. And here's what he says. Paul calls the readers to give from their hearts. Give from your hearts. Look, notice what he says. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Let your giving flow from your heart. Listen, here's the important I want you to understand. Giving is always a heart issue. Giving is always a heart issue. It's always a heart issue. Throughout the scripture, even back, I think there's a passage that I, in all the way back in Kings, there was a revival that took place under King Hezekiah. The people revived their hearts towards God. Now, here's how they responded. They responded by bringing material wealth, gold, silver, stuff to the temple. Nobody asked them to do it. It's not like Hezekiah got up and said, we're taking an offering for the temple this week. No, they just on their own, because they were getting their hearts right with God, brought money to the temple. In fact, here, it's the only time I've ever seen this. Hezekiah had to tell them to stop. You ever had a preacher tell you to stop giving? No, 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 there's always somewhere to spend money, right? It, you know, I never had a preacher tell you to stop giving. The king had to literally say, quit giving money. He didn't ask them to do it in the first place, and they just gave because it, it was out of their heart because of their love for God. This is the point that, that Paul is trying to tell us. He's calling us to give from our hearts because our hearts should be in love with God. Now, I mean, I know that there's, quote, the gift of giving, but we're not talking about that. So don't say, well, that's my, not my spiritual gift. That's not the point here. The point is, is what I want you to understand is, that what he's saying here to you and I is, is that you and I are to give as we purpose in our heart to give. In accordance with our heart, because we love God. That means so much more than saying, well, I'm giving because George told me to give. No, you give because you purpose in your heart to give, because you, you, you're in love with God. Now, there is a, a flip side to that. You know, a person who doesn't give, what does that say about their heart? Yeah, it's either selfish or hard. Now, now somebody would say, well, you know, I want to give, but I don't have anything. Well, you know what? We just read about that just two weeks ago about the Macedonians who, what, had nothing and they gave. And God blessed them. See, the issue, this is the part that is hard for the church in America to understand, is that the issue of giving is not that you give out of your abundance, but rather you give sacrificially. That you give sacrificially. 
But see, we give out of our abundance, don't we? In fact, here's the trap that some churches fall into. We actually look for the type of person to come to our church. Ever seen a church like this before? Where we're looking for a certain class to come? Do you know what I mean? We're looking for a certain... How big is his wallet? Does he sit like this? Because his wallet is lifting him up, you know? Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's the kind of thinking that we're talking about. Now, whether that, is that wrong? Yeah, but we've forgotten James. James says, why do you, why do you act like that over the rich guy when it's the rich guy who takes you to court? It's the rich guy who oppresses you at work. Now, there's nothing wrong. God does bless rich guys. Okay? And God does use rich guys. Thank God for rich guys. But the whole focus is, is that it's not out of our abundance. In fact, statistics show that. You know who gives the most money to the church proportionately than anybody? You know, the poor. Those who don't have anything. See, and sacrifice is the issue. So it's got to be from your heart. It's got to be from your heart that you give. It's got to be from your heart. So, here's what, here's how they're to give then. They're to give cheerfully, not begrudgingly. They're to give cheerfully. They've got to give with an attitude that says, I just can't wait to be a blessing in someone's life. Not, here we go again. He's got another offering for another family that's going through another problem. Do, do you see my point? We need to give with a heart that is cheerful, excited to be able to be a blessing to someone rather than having an attitude, let's see, how many offerings, special offerings has that been this month now? Or better yet, if it's because we're, we're not necessarily talking about the plate. God, can you help me walk in with blinders on so I don't see anybody else's need around me because it's been hitting me hard in the wallet this week. And that's the attitude. Don't let me see somebody's problem. Jesus, what's wrong with that kind of attitude? Yeah, it's selfish, isn't it? And so, therefore, the plate or someone's need around you becomes an obligation. And you hate doing it. You hate doing it. And here's the wonderful thing. Here's the thing we forget. Because I've seen this happen. Boy, you grumble and complain when you help somebody. Well, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then when it works out well, we're slapping each other on the back. Boy, wasn't it good that I helped them out? And right now, we wouldn't know the difference because we can't read motives. But one day when we stand before God, is that God's going to judge our motives. He's the one who knows our motives. We, you know, I, can't, I don't know your motive. You may be smiling at me, and I think, oh, they're enjoying what they're hearing. But you're actually thinking about what you're having for lunch later on. I, I, can't, I don't know your motives. But God's going to judge our motives, and he's going to say, so, you gave, but you gave with an attitude. Oh, you claim credit later on, but it was out of a wrong heart. Do you see, do you see my point? So, his whole issue is, is that they are, they are to give, let's just make, we are to give cheerfully, not begrudgingly. We're to give cheerfully, not begrudgingly. So now in verses 8 through 10, he tells us God's role in giving. See, this whole point now has been about you and I, and you can immediately say, man, I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I could do what you're asking me to do, George. Well, that's why we got to look at verses 8 and 9. So look at verse 8. 
And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. For it is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Two powerful things come out of this passage that you and I need to grasp concerning the issue of giving. And that is the role of God in giving. If he tells you, listen, remember, those of you who went through experiencing God with Henry Blackaby, do you, do you remember the whole principle that if God tells you to do something, it's always beyond what you can do? And the reason why he tells you to do it beyond what you're able to do is because who gets the credit? God. And see, and if God tells you to do it, He'll give you the strength and the resources and the power to do it. It goes down to the whole issue of giving, too. If you respond to the Holy Spirit by the issue of giving, whether it's in an offering plate or whether it's to a need around you, He's going to tell you to do something that's beyond you. Why? Because He wants the credit. So let's look here. A couple of points here. First one, verse 8. God is able to provide you with everything that you need. Do we know that? Mentally, we do. The question is, do we know it here? And I'll have to be honest with you, personally, a lot of times, no. Aren't we honest? Let's be honest, right? I mean, we may know it, we may know the principle here. And we may affirm it because that's the Christian thing to do. God will meet my needs. But when it comes down to rubber meet the road, how I live my life every day, and how I respond to decisions and stuff that life throws at me, and especially the stuff that God tells me to do, I'm not so sure. I know it here, but I may not know it here. Does everybody understand? I know it here, but I may not know it here. And so God is able, you've got to grasp that point. You've got to remember that point. When He tells you to do something, when He tells you to give, and to help someone out, or to give towards something at the church, or whatever, He tells you to give... You need to remember that the one who's telling me to give is the one who is able to take care of my needs. Because the enemy will come and he'll always tell you this. Always, with anything in life. He'll always say this to you. He'll come and he'll say, you don't want to do that because this is what it will cost you. The problem is, is he doesn't tell you what it will cost you if you don't do it. He'll come and tell you what it will cost you. And that's true for anything. Whether it's giving, whether it's sin, you know, whatever. He'll come and tell you, oh, you don't want to do that. It will cost you. If you do that, it's going to cost you this. But what he doesn't tell you is what it's going to cost you if you don't do it, if you're not obedient. So the point is, I want you to see, is God is able to provide you with everything you need. Now notice verses 9 and 10 then, he tells us about the provision of God. God will provide for all of your needs, including your gifts for his work. Notice what he said. God's going to provide for all of your needs. I didn't, now notice something. It's not an asterisk there, wants. I don't see anywhere in my Bible where it says a nice cherry red GMC four-wheel drive pickup truck. For your Ford people, Ford. You know, it doesn't say that. It says needs. It says needs. And so he says, I'm going to provide your needs, including your gifts to his work. Including what he tells you to give to others. He's the one who provides you with the seed. And as you sow, he gives you more seed. 
God's going to provide your needs, even the stuff that he tells you to do. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, the, isn't that what happened with Hudson Taylor? Last crown in his pocket? Man is pleading with him, my children are starving, please, can you, do you have anything to give me? He's got his last crown, he's wondering about himself eating. And he gives it. And then he realizes that he can't get out give God. God's going to take care of him too. You see, and listen, you think the guy who was throwing stones at him, mocking him, you think his attitude maybe would have changed a little bit towards the gospel because he responded that way? I mean, Hudson Taylor had every right to say, you know what, you treated me very badly on the street. Forget it, buddy. I'm Just be thankful I'm here trying to take care of your wife. See, God is able to meet our needs and he's able to give you the resources that you need to help do his work as he leads you to do it. Not a pressure tactic from some preacher, but as the Holy Spirit tells you to give. As the Holy Spirit tells you to give. So, how does a proper understanding of God's provision help us with our concerns about giving? Because, hey, we have concerns about giving. Going, oh, I don't have enough money. I don't know that I can do that this month. I don't know. How does a proper understanding of these last two points that God is able to take care of us and provide our needs, help us with our concerns about giving. How does that help us with our concerns about giving? Okay, it helps us to understand that God's in control. So do I need to worry about the stuff I'm worried about then? No, I don't. Anybody else want to add to what Mike said? Or maybe you have a different thought. Yeah, so we it'll deal with our concerns, won't it? But now here's the point, though. We've got to take it from here. And bring it here. You've got to know them more than just know it. You've got to start living it. You've got to start living it. Okay, so let's look at the principle of generosity. This is where we're going to spend a little bit time, more time. Uh, verse 11 through 13. Notice what he says. While you are enriched in everything with all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry they glorified God for their obedience of the confession to the gospel of Christ and for their liberal sharing with them and all men. Okay, so now he's going to talk about some different principles about generosity. First of all, the purpose of our resources. Here's what he says. Paul points out that our resources are, were given to be given away. Paul points out that our resources were given to be given away. Our resources were given to be given away. Can I explain something to you? This is not American, the American dream. This is Bible. What you have is not just for your enjoyment. What? That's so anti-cultural. What you have is not just for your enjoyment. God has blessed you with resources, whether you think you're blessed or not. Compared to people in Haiti, you guys are rich. God has blessed you with the resources that you have, not just for you. He gives you so that you can give away. That's the that's biblical. That's the point. That's the principle. That is... 
The whole point of generosity is recognizing that what I have doesn't belong to me. It belongs to who? God. I'm just a steward of it. And one day I have to give an account for how I handled what he gave me. And you know what? Cherry, apple red, GMC full-size pickup, 2000. I want the 8 version that's not out yet, okay? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm serious. I may have to answer to God for that if I bought something like that for my selfish purpose. Because that may be, I mean, first of all, that's a lot of money, isn't it? And he may say, why did you use my money that way? Why did you use my money that way? Because I'm going to be honest with you. We can't comprehend it right now, but one day we're going to have to tell him why we used his money that way. Now, I'm not asking for everybody to live in a shack here. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't sell your home now and move into a mobile home somewhere that's 50 years old, you know, leaky roof or whatever, to prove a spiritual point. That's not what I'm saying. But the point is, what is your concept concerning your money? Do you feel it's yours and therefore you can do whatever you want to with it? Or is your concept that it's God's and he's the one who gave it to you for him to be using through your life as he tells you what to do with it? Do you understand what my point is? That's the point. So nobody sell their home. I don't want to see that there's a big listing of houses for sale this week, you know, because you grasp that point. I don't think you do that anyhow. But my point is, I don't want you walking away with false guilt either. Now, if you have guilt because the Holy Spirit's convicting you about something, that's something different. But the point I want you to see is, is that it is, how do I view those resources? Is it my money or God's money? I mean, that's the proper thing, but again, it's got to go from here down to here, doesn't it? It's got to go from here down to here. And when I have, when I know that it's here is when I begin to respond to the Holy Spirit as He tells me to help out who? Others around me. With their needs. And see, and it doesn't have to be monetary. It doesn't have to be monetary. Let's say Bruce owns a big snowblower. And next door to him lives a widow. Bruce starts noticing that every time there's a big snow thing, whatever, nobody's able to, nobody, her, her driveway is just piling up with snow. He's sitting next door, he's just blowing snow everywhere, you know. Whose snowblower is it? Holy Spirit works in Bruce, uh, Bruce's heart and says, why don't you blow your neighbor's driveway? He's thinking, the game's coming on soon. The biblical response would be to what? Cruise over there and blow that driveway. Now, here it's a poor illustration because most people who have snowblowers just love blowing snow. They'll blow everybody's driveway on their own. But it's the point I want you to see is we're not just talking about money here. We're talking about your resources. Your resources. Here's a wonderful thing that happened in one of our grace groups. Wonderful thing that's happened a year ago in our grace group. An individual in the grace group is having car problems, but financially they don't have the thing, the swing, taking care of replacing some gaskets, a head gasket of some sort. In the same room is a guy who's trained to be a mechanic. Guess what he does? Holy Spirit speaks to him about helping out that 
couple. So he goes over one night on a Friday night, spends the night. He tells him, you have enough money to buy the gaskets. They had enough money to Gaskets are cheap. What's expensive is what? The labor to put them on. Somebody responded to the Holy Spirit and he gave of his resources. What were the resources there? Finances? No. Brain matter. Training. And he was blessed. And they were blessed. You, you see my point? We're not just talking about money here. We're not just talking about money. So, then notice something. The result is thanksgiving. Paul stated that their giving would produce thanksgiving from him. When he saw that they were giving to others, he would be thankful. Look, when I look as your pastor and I look around and see people who are, and I do, I see people who are interacting in the needs of others, I get excited. That story I just told you when I, when I knew about it, it excited me. That's an exciting thing to hear that people are doing. And listen, let me multiply that by many other stories that you guys don't know that I know of what people in this church have done for each other. And that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. And Paul says that their giving would produce thanksgiving from him. Of course it would, wouldn't it? It would produce thanksgiving in their life. It would produce thanksgiving. So then here's the dual effect. Their giving would benefit others in two areas. Their giving would benefit others in two areas. Look at verse 12. He says this, For the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. So the dual effect here is what? The first, the two areas that it would affect is, first of all, it provides for the need, but it also produces thanksgiving. It also produces thanksgiving. So it would meet the needs as well as produce thanksgiving. Who gets the glory? God. Who gets the blessing? The person who gave. The person who gave. So then, verse 13 tells us this. Their obedience in giving brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. So then finally, let's wrap this up real quick. Verse 14 and 15, he says this. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Okay, two points here. Paul states that because of their gift, they would be prayed for by those who have benefited. Hey, you know what the wonderful thing is? Is when you help somebody out, even though they may not be able to return the favor or give you the money for it or whatever, if they say something like this, I'm going to pray for you, you better believe that's worth more than if they gave you 20 bucks. I don't know about you, it means more to me to have people tell me that I'm praying for you, George, than to have people say, here, have a cheeseburger. I'm going I'm to begin to wonder maybe if they're out to kill me. At least that's what my wife thinks, right? Give me a cheeseburger, even though I like cheeseburgers and eat them. But I mean, it's better to hear from you that you're praying for me than to, to just give me a cheeseburger. So, Paul states that because of their gift, they would be prayed for by those who benefited. Man. How many of you need prayer? How many of you would like to know that people are praying for you? Start giving to each other. And then finally, what does he say here? He concludes by thanking God for his gift through Jesus. 
But the ultimate gift we have is Jesus. Paul thanks God. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What's his indescribable gift? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Next week we're going to look at the issue of Paul's credibility. We're going to get back to that issue again. Remember, that's been the underlying theme throughout this whole thing with the Corinthian church is this whole issue of credibility. So we'll look at that next week. Okay, let's close our time in prayer.